we all get stuck in what we should do or what we should have done. The word should can inspire us and it can inhibit us. It can get us moving and it can hold us back. Why is it so hard to move past complacency and get inspired to build the fulfilling future that we want? You are listening to Should Theory. Let's talk it out. Stories, interviews, and more to inform and inspire you towards building the future that you want. Get motivated, figure out how you want to shift, and then get your shift together. I'm Tara Grebe. Let's do this with the Should Theory. and welcome to The Should Theory. I'm Tara Grieve, your host, and today I have a guest who I personally have been looking forward to talking to uh, for quite some time since I first met him uh, over the lovely interweb. Today I am talking to Bill Soroka, and he is from Phoenix, Arizona. He uh, has a really interesting story. I'm hesitant to give you too much of it because I know it will definitely be better coming from him, but when we talk about people who make shifts and changes and shifts and changes and realize that they need a different way so that they can live a happy life, he definitely has a great and solid story to tell. And so I'm just going to go right to Bill and throw it to him. Bill, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing so good, Tara. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's my pleasure to have you. Um, the, the interesting thing about this podcast is I like the change and success story to be uh, the fabulous moment at the end. So at the end, we will tell the listeners all the great things that you're doing now. But why don't you start by telling us um, what it was or where you were uh, in a spot of complacency or a place where you just knew that you needed to make a change? Yeah, great question. So um for me, one of the biggest challenges that I had was I, I had lots of great ideas. I loved novelty and new things. So I was, um, I call myself a, a multi-potentialite serial entrepreneur. Oh my. So yeah, all that means is when I have an idea or a hobby, I tend to want to turn it into a business. So um, I did that uh, with lots of uh, a lack of self-discipline a lack of appreciation for um, healthy habits. So I would take on all these different projects. So um, I, and I would bounce from one shiny thing to the other from one business when things got hard or boring, uh, I would just move on to something else or I'd pick business partners that didn't support me. So um, when I reached a certain point, I had like five or six irons in the fire, five or six different businesses that were pulling my energy in different directions. And nearly all of them uh, started to collapse. And some of them, you know, friends and family had invested in. So Mm. uh, I was just feeling the weight of the world. It was literally crumbling around me. And at the time, I was also uh, going through a breakup, a a big breakup. So my heart was broken. I was uh, losing you know, I was projecting that my friends and my family was uh, were going to hate me because my I had lost their money. Right. All of this was crumbling around me. So that's where I was. That's terrible. And, and what a pressure, especially, you know, as you said, when you have other people believing in you or investing in you and having some sort of expectation of your level of success, 
that's that's a heavy weight because it's not only your feelings about what you should be doing, but what you believe others feel that you should be doing. I think that was probably one of the hardest parts because uh, I was a solopreneur throughout most of my ventures, right? So right. I was only responsible for me. And then uh, with with this one in particular, you know, having other people count on me and uh, getting them all excited for an outside the box idea, right? Like they took a risk and then it just didn't work out. That was, it was devastating. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I find it interesting too, because some of the other people that I have talked to uh, in previous episodes, when they talk about their feelings of, of responsibility, um, you know, it's a different type. It's, it's more of a, I, and I think you're saying this too, but and I have to pay my bills or I have certain expectations of, you know, I have, I'm responsible for my children. I'm responsible for whatever it is. And, and what I like about yours is that it's different because it's, yes, you have to have your livelihood and be able to pay for your own things, but also people have given you this money for this big product or thing that you've promised and, and that's not working out either. So I feel like that's just a whole different layer of, um, obligation, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's a great way of putting it. And that's exactly what it was that I can handle. And I have handled, um, flopping out, you know, at that time that was, you know, 20, I had 22 uh, or 20 business failures, right? Like I had, I, I can, I can put up with not being able to pay my rent. Mm-hmm. I can put up with driving a junker car you right. know, or not being able to eat out or living on top ramen. I can, there's something about me that actually gets kind of fired up and excited about right. that. Like I, I can like make it Like a grit developer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I can, <laughs> yeah. I can, I can pick up my bootstraps and I can figure things out, but when it's impacting other people, that changes right. everything. Yeah. You pick up your own bootstraps, but when other people's bootstraps are going to be down, it's a whole different feeling. It sucks. Yeah. yeah it really you know, does. So- yeah. You you alluded to it a little bit, but was there a pivotal moment for you um, where you knew, you know what, I'm on failed business number 26. I can't have a 27. Yeah, there was. Uh, and Tara, it was really bad, you know, uh, when all of these things were crumbling and, you know, add the heartbreak on top of it. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to see a future. When you have bucked the system for so long, and you, you just knew that you were going to figure things out. Your family's telling you to get a job, go to school, get a steady paycheck. Uh, and you say, no, I've got this figured out. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And then it just collapses. It's uh, uh, and adding the heartbreak on top of it. Just, I really was in a dark place. I didn't mm-hmm. know which direction I would go. And I, you know, I was, um, it's easy to look back and kind of laugh and have some fun with it. But at that moment when you're in it, when you're down in it, it was dark, dark, right. dark place. And I was afraid of what I would do to myself. Mm-hmm. And I, there was, there was a voice inside me though, that just said, you can figure this out. You can figure this out. If anybody can do it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I knew I could I knew I was smart. I knew I could get people enrolled and excited about ideas, but I was lacking something. I was missing something. And I, what I did over a Thanksgiving weekend, I spent Thanksgiving alone for four or five days. And I told my family I was with other people. So nobody thought I was alone. I just, I just wanted to hole up with a bottle of vodka mm. and my books and YouTube. And that's exactly what I did. And I did, I call it my results inventory. 
Okay. And I literally, I literally sat down and I said, Hey, here's what I want. Here's what I've got. What's the, what's the difference in there? What's the gap? And it was this grand Canyon gap. And I had to figure out why that was. And it's funny. I was a, I kind of like a personal de- development junkie anyway. Right. I read all the books. I go to all the seminars. You know, I feel like I'm Tony Robbins' best friend, but <laughs> well, I didn't implement anything. I was just absorbing and collecting knowledge without implementation. And that was my big aha moment. I was like, holy cow, all these people, all these teachers have been showing me that habits and routine and healthy routines and habits are how you get to success. That's how you get stuff done. Mm-hmm. And I have been sitting here, I've created this uh, vision of uh, habits and routines as being for boring people, people who are not having fun in life. Those are the only ones who do habits and routine. And I was completely mistaken. Um, I embraced during that weekend. I ran, I discovered Brendan Burchard, BJ Fogg from Tiny Habits, uh, and eventually I got to Hal Elrod and the Miracle Morning. And I just decided I was like, "Okay, Bill, you have tried to do things your way for half of your life now, and here's the results you've got. So now, why don't we try doing it their way and mm-hmm. see what happens?" And I bought right into BJ Fogg, Tiny Habits. At the time, he was at a university and he had this thing where you could email what your daily habit was going to be. And he sent you accountability emails. And that I, it was literally just picking up my shoes, right? Yeah. Uh, and that changed. That was, that was the springboard that changed everything. And then I got into the Miracle Morning and that literally saved and changed my life. Mm-hmm. The uh, structure and the framework he gave for just starting out your day your morning built self-confidence so I could finally figure out a way to dig myself out of the hole. That's fantastic. Just a few things that you just said that, that stand out to me, absorbing and collecting knowledge without implementation. I think there's a lot of people that become self-development or self-help junkies, like you said, and, and you want to continue to evolve and grow. I know for a while I've been the person who buys the book, reads the first three chapters, and then it sits on the shelf. Because either squirrel, here's another book that's interesting, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or um, like you said with some of your businesses, oh, it's getting a little bit too um, deep. It's getting a little bit too, um, oh, what's the word I want? Internal. I, I have to dig too deep and admit too many things that are aligned with this book. So I'm just going to put it on the shelf and I'm going to start another one with a nice happy introduction and move on to the next one. <laughs> Um, but yep. the other thing that stands out to me is that you mentioned Hal Elrod, Brennan Burchard, BJ Fogg. I know for me, um, Brene Brown, Mel Robbins yeah. are some big ones. Um, I, I think that um, what message comes through with that too is you don't need just one school of thought and it's not a one and done. You listen to one person and that person helps you grow in a little bit. And then you go listen to another person and they fill a different void for you. And that makes you grow a little bit more. And then from that new perspective, you move on and somebody else can give you some insights and you grow a little bit more in that accountability piece and structure piece. Um, sometimes people like you have fantastic ideas, but they just need someone to say, hey, uh, did you do your homework last night? Okay, yeah. great. Why don't I take a look at it? You know, Let's talk about where we can go from here. Yeah. I love that you brought this up, Tara, because I think that's the trap that a lot of people 
fall into is uh, you find one way that one teacher or one philosophy that resonates so deeply within yes. you that you forsake everything else. Absolutely. And just think this is going to be it. It doesn't have to be that way. You, there's, I think even the unwisest of us have wise things to say or wise. Absolutely. Um, we've said our uh, written wise words. You can pick up what works for you at the moment. And I think that's what's meant by that quote that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Right. I go through some of my old books that I read or I rewatch a webinar that I swear. I mean, I've, I've watched, sent videos to friends throughout the years and then I watch it again and I'm taking notes and I'm like, I didn't even know this was in there because right. I just wasn't ready for Different it. Different parts and of it speak to you. Yes, exactly. Depending on your perspective, because mm -hmm. we're always, we're constantly, hopefully always growing and looking at life differently. So absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, again, that's such a gem for people to understand. And another spin on what you just said too, is so many of us, and I would put myself in this wheelhouse. So many of us feel like we're supposed to do what fill in the blank thinks we're supposed to do. Our parents, society, the schooling that we went through, whatever it may be. Okay. This is what you've been taught. Now go do it. I can remember um, years ago uh, when I had finished my undergraduate degree and saying to my mom, you know, but I, I didn't really love it. Like I did the thing and this is where you suggested I go because it was reliable. I didn't really love it. Well, that's what you went to college for. That's what, now that's what you do. And <laughs> how limiting is that? And again, as you're, as you grow, as you evolve, what suits you when you're 20 certainly won't suit you when you're 40 or 50 or 80. Yes, exactly. And I guess that's right. Those shoulds, right? Yeah. Most of those shoulds, I think, are what other people want us to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you, you know, at this point, you got to this Thanksgiving vodka fest <laughs> by yourself so that you could have these epiphanies. Um, and, and this was your pivotal moment where you said, okay, it's time to pull up my own bootstraps and give back to these people who have invested in me. So you knew you had to make a change. So what were the obstacles at that moment that stood in your way or the shoulds that stood in your way? And, you know, tell me a little bit about that shift that you started to make. Yeah. Number one is believing that I was not a morning person. I had to let go of that mm. uh, first and foremost, and I really was not, I was a night owl <clears throat> at the time. One of my businesses was as a poker host. Oh. So I was up till two or three in the morning, usually with a few cocktails. Right. You know, having to let go of uh, that persona. And I used to use the um, excuse that, you know, between 10 and 2 is when I get my good ideas, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the little bit of the creative juices flowing. Right. So I had to start there. And that was tough. That was really tough. But uh, I love that you said Mel Robbins because combined with uh, Hal Elrod in The Miracle Morning, first, let me just reiterate that a little bit. I used to ask myself, what's the point of getting up early? Like what, why even, what am I supposed to do if I do get up early? Sure. Hal Elrod's book answers that question. It gives you six practices to do just to get your head straight. And so I knew I, I had six things I could wake up and do that was going to change everything. So I had to trust that. But then actually getting out of bed at 4.30, 5 or mm -hmm. 10 sometimes. Enter Mel Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I use Mel Robbins' five-second rule mm -hmm. to get me out of bed. And um, 
I would count back five, four, three, two, one. And then I would, it, it's, I don't get why it works, but it, it actually though. did work and it helped Crazy. pull me out of bed and make, made all the difference. If you're anything like me, you listen to podcasts like this one because you know you want something more from life and you feel like you need to make a change. Maybe you don't have the confidence to give it a go, or maybe you don't even know where to start. I can help you. Go to www.taragreve.com and let's work together so I can help you discover what your shift is, uncover your inner badass, and get your shift together. You can also find me at Should Theory with Tara Grebe on Facebook, where you can join a community of like-minded people looking to help each other out. Let's figure out what your shift is and get your shift together today. So again, getting shifting who you believed you were into yeah. who you needed to be at that time to be successful really was well, your big obstacle. Yeah, that was the big obstacle. And so what that did though, um, when you start doing what you told yourself you're going to do, that's integrity with yourself. And there is no more powerful tool than being in alignment and in integrity with yourself. Because I started making my bed in the morning. I started mm. waking up when I said I would do it. And I started meditating every day and journaling and then exercising as part of the six practices and having a vision statement and picturing it and going through it and then reading something inspirational. There was That was the shift for me is the confidence that came because I was digging myself out, like I said, and having a broken heart, thinking that nobody was going to like me anyway. I mean, what a loser. I mean, I, that was the thoughts that kept going through my head is what a what a loser. Here you are, you're 37 years old mm -hmm. and you're destitute and you're, you're, even your partner doesn't want to be with you. And mm -hmm. then you've let all these people down, the friends and family. Right. So all that negative stuff was going through my head. So by taking little steps every single day, keeping promises to myself mm -hmm. every day, mm -hmm. helped give me the confidence to make bigger and bigger choices again, to, to get me back in the saddle again. That is excellent. I love that. So um, as you started to do these things and you started to make those shifts, you, uh, you developed a couple of businesses. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to let it out for you, but before we get there, once you started making this alignment and you're five, four, three, two, one, and you're doing your Hal Leonard six steps, it sounds almost like, I know there are some people that will hear it and, oh, it's too frilly and fluffy for me. It's too touchy feely for me, but really as we've said before, it's just about implementing structure. And I think getting over the fact that, you know, we're talking about all these external critics that we have or these external shoulds. But, you know, what I'm hearing you say is some of your greatest uh, critic criticism came from yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> My inner critic's a real bitch sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> mine too. Mine too. So in this process, now you're starting to do all of these things. Was there a moment where you were ready to quit? Throwing the towel. Yeah, yeah. I would say probably every day. Every day there was some part of me that didn't want to keep going, didn't want to go on anymore. Mm. Um, because you don't always get instant results either. So you're doing this work and you're like, all right, what's the point of all this? Is it going to work? Is something going to something going to give mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the business side? I'll say on the uh, the the morning side, 
again, fighting that uh, getting out of bed was difficult every day, but I'm so glad that I did. And I felt good every day. It was amazing. The peace of mind it brought, even with the world crumbling around me, because just because I was waking up early uh, did not mean that my life was fixed. Sure. I went through 90 days of having to do that with zero results, like still having no idea what I was going to do. But what that did is it cleared a space so I could get some clarity on what I was going to do next. And that's when the ideas started coming again. You know, I got the confidence back up to try something again. And Mm -hmm. I got to realizing that, you know, with 26 business failures, you know, do I just waste that or did I learn something? Right. So I really went back and started studying all those different businesses. Like what was the turning point? What actually worked in that business? And that's when I decided to apply all of that knowledge to my, the one remaining business that stood standing. Okay. All right. So this one that you have now, um, was one of the 26 then? It was. Well, no, it was the 27th, the one that didn't fail. It was the 27th. All right. So tell us all about business number 27. I've been dying to mention it, but it's time to bring it out. Yeah. It's so funny. It was the, it was the one business I had the least expectations for. Like I literally jumped into it just so I could make some money to make all the other ones work. So that is as a mobile notary and loan signing agent. So that sounds as dry and suit and tie librarian-ish as I think you could if you read it on paper. But I'm going to now say to the listeners, if you go to notarycoach.com and check it out, it is anything but dry, boring, and nothing against librarians, I should say, but (laughs) we love a good book. But, you know, I I think that uh, that stereotype here, like, oh, I'm a notary. Wow. What an exciting life you must lead. But boy, does your site make it sound like it's really exciting. Uh, And it really is, especially if you like people. Yeah. You know, when you, when you say notary public, I, I, I mean, that what conjures in my mind is, is definitely not what it's like in the real life. Right. Uh, it is, uh, it's, um, it, it's constantly moving, especially when you're in the real estate energy or, mm-hmm. uh, environment. Uh, and it is extremely lucrative. So I, I came up with like the, these three tenets for what makes this business so attractive. And it's the flexibility of the schedule. I mean, you can work whenever you want to work. It's mm-hmm. unlimited income. You can, there's no ceiling on how much you can make. And it's legit. It's one of those businesses. It's the services we provide as a notary public is critical to the commerce in the United States. Right. There's always and a demand. We, and we prevent fraud. You know, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. And that's the key factor for me because I, through 26 businesses, I have tried probably every MLM you can think of. I've been trying, <laughs> inventing products, trying to put all this stuff together. Yeah. And finally, I just get this legitimate business that's just old fashioned. You work, you get paid. You work, you get paid. Mm-hmm. And it brought such a peace of mind. And it's ancient. It's been around for thousands of years. And it feels that way sometimes. So all I did was take modern business practices that I had learned through all those failures. And I Mm -hmm. applied that to this industry and that changed everything for me. And is that the modern business structure? Would that be the mobile portion of the mobile notary? It's a little bit of the mobile person, uh, the mobile component, but that's been around for a while too. It's more the relationships, the relationship marketing Mm -hmm. and cultivating uh, and educating the, the public 
you know, everybody needs a notary, whether you're buying stuff, buying stuff, selling stuff, being born or dying, there's yep. a notary involved. Mm-hmm. So just, um, owning that business and presenting it as a service, treating it like a business, like having a website, having Mm -hmm. a good website, Mm -hmm. um, creating marketing materials, dressing up for it, uh, owning the responsibility that it is. Because so many times you notaries just didn't take it seriously. It's just like, ah, no problem. But fortunes are transferred with the swipe of our pen. This is a big deal. So uh, I'm excited because this whole notary community has completely changed and shifted in the last four or five years. And I'm excited to be a part of it. And the cool part of it is that you aren't just a notary, but you help others. Yes. I love that. I get to coach people and teach them how to build this. That's the thing too. It's like, if we go back a little bit, when it was just me as a loan signing agent, I started implementing these things after the, uh, um, Miracle morning, I created my own daily dues for my business. Like the, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well I'll do this and I've got to scale up and I know I need to make this much money. So I reverse engineered it and I created these daily dues that I would do in my business every day to boost it up. And from that moment on, I went from making a thousand a month as a notary to making over 20,000 a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was able to scale that up to making multiple six figures in a business that I really never expected to make more than a few hundred dollars a month at. And that has opened up so many avenues for me to get into. First, I was a YouTuber. Then I designed an online course. Then I published two best-selling books, Mm -hmm. all in this industry. And then I started a podcast. So I was able to nail it and then scale it. Right. That's I love that. Nail it and then scale it. So you mentioned your books. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your books? Yeah, they're all notary centric or they're mm-hmm. both notary centric right now. They're sign and thrive and then how to uh, supercharge your how to supercharge your business mm-hmm. with LinkedIn. Uh, amazing books that have really helped a lot of different people, but I'll, those were self-published mm-hmm. and that's something I'm really passionate about too. It's really taught me a lot that I don't have to go the tradition the traditional publishing route. I don't have to have an agent and all of that. I mean, I've wanted to write a book since I was 6 years old. Absolutely. And using services like self-publishing school and Amazon KDP, I've been able to do that. And it's That's changed actually, everything. I feel like that could be a whole nother podcast out there for our listeners. Uh, <laughs> Probably with could, you. Maybe yeah. we'll have to make that happen. So um, you mentioned that you also have a podcast. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> it's funny because about three years ago, I bought the domain name Side Hustle Lounge. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what I wanted to do with it. And then I spent thousands of dollars this year, thousands of dollars to join the mastermind group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first day of the mastermind group, I'm just sitting there in the energy of the group. Nothing was being said about podcasting or anything. And this idea dropped from the ether right into my brain and said, Side Hustle Lounge is a podcast and you need to do it now. Mm-hmm. So I literally, I, I bought a course. I bought pot. Pat Flynn's uh, Power Up podcasting course, Mm -hmm. started buying all the equipment. And within 10 to 15 days, I had a podcast Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's called the Side Hustle Lounge. And we Mm -hmm. talk about legitimate business opportunities, Mm -hmm. personal growth and development and adventure and lifestyle design, all the things that I love to talk about. And it's a lot of fun. I love that you do that. It is such a complimentary vibe to what this podcast is all about. 
Um, and so I think if people are listening to this one and they love the vibe of it, they should definitely check out that one because this, they definitely speak to each other and speak the same language for sure. I, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely. So um, now that you have found the success, I, I do feel like I need to point out though that 26 businesses didn't work out. Business 27 is the mo- mobile notary and being a notary coach. Um, and now here you are being a multi-potentialite because you are the notary coach, you are an author, you are a podcast host. And so I feel like that multi-potentialite vibe doesn't really go away and that's okay. It's okay to have a variety of platforms and avenues to do things that bring you joy. And I think that's a huge message as well. I think that's, I love that you picked that up out of that too. Um, I, I would also say, um, as part of that results inventory and figuring myself out, uh, I came across, um, a group, well, Emily Wapnick, who started a group called Putty Like mm-hmm. and helped show me what a multi-potentialite was. Mm-hmm. I used to judge myself and I was in this shame cycle because I had multiple interests. I didn't want to specialize in one thing. I couldn't do one thing for 30 years. So experiencing her and then doing the work I do with a, a business coach that taught me the Enneagram, mm. I'm a number, I lead with number seven on the Enneagram mm-hmm. and we are the enthusiast. We get excited about different things. We love shiny objects and yeah, we, we don't do. like to deal with deep, um, dirty emotions, right? We just yeah. kind of like to flit around and have fun. That's part of who I was. And when I learned what was driving my behavior, then I could start adjusting for that. I could mm-hmm. start working my strengths, hiring my weaknesses, or um, just understanding what was going on in my brain without going or slipping into that shame cycle. Excellent. So now that you are where you are at this point, 2021, what advice would you give to the Bill that was sitting on the couch on Thanksgiving with his vodka and his books? (laughs) Upgrade your vodka. Um, that is such a great question. So if I had one piece of advice, it would be to, um, work harder and better at quieting and not listening to the inner critic, the voices of the inner critic, because I think the, uh, the biggest challenge that I had, and I continue to have too, is a little, it's tied to the imposter syndrome, but it's really, second guessing and questioning and worrying about how uh, or what people are going to think when I release things. And I've had lots of evidence that what I come up with and what I create works for the people it works with. It's not going to be for everybody and that's okay. Mm. So if I had, I would love to have started that process earlier. And then of course the adoption of the uh, healthy habits and routines as well. Yeah. And you know what? I'll throw this in there too, mm-hmm. is get in shape. I still struggle. I struggle with getting in shape. I'm just not interested in exercise yeah. and all of that. I hear that. And I think that, um, you know, here we are at the end of the pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic, I heard the the funny line, people will either come out of the pandem- pandemic being a chunk, a hunk, or a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Wow. And I have to tell you that I have had uh, multiple people in the last few weeks talk about their post-pandemic wardrobe that they've needed to buy because they've exceeded the waistbands 
on many of their um, pieces of clothing from pre-pandemic. So I agree. Got to get off that couch and listen to that should that says I should go to the gym uh, yes. and, and get healthy. Absolutely. So, uh, Bill, what I'd like to do is throw at you the three final questions that I like to throw at everybody. The first one is, what is the positive should that rings in your ears most often and keeps you moving? I choose greatness. Mm. That's the, you know, when I was doing the uh, Mel Robbins uh, five second rule, Mm -hmm. that was how I ended it. It was five, four, three, two, one. I choose greatness. I changed the alarms on my phone. I changed it on my Alexa. That's what I wanted to wake up to. And I still, how do you argue with I choose greatness? You know, the opposite of that is not choosing greatness. So that's a pretty lame decision. So it it helps keep me motivated throughout the day. Sure. Well, what is it they say? Not making a decision is still a decision? Still a decision, yeah. Yeah. And what is the negative should that even now with all of your success still makes you second guess or or hang back a little bit? Uh, It's probably I should do more research. Hmm. Uh, sometimes I, and it's actually served me a lot of times when I get really, uh, I'll get an idea and just go with it. But then when I start second guessing it, I'm like, oh, I should do more research. I really should do this. I should do that. Should do that. And then I get bogged down mm-hmm. and don't take action. And here's what's amazing that I've learned uh, in life is when you get an idea and you don't take action on it, somebody else will. And Absolutely. there's been so many times when I squashed down an idea because I was feeling insecure or I thought I would look weird or I needed to do more research and somebody else came out into the world with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the other question, the final question is, I'm just writing your great thought. Um, we've thrown around a lot of names of a lot of great people who give us things to think about, chew on and give ourselves structure to grow. So from that, what is the best advice that you have read or heard that really serves you still to this day? Oh man, gosh, there's <laughs> been so many good ones and I have terrible memory for this kind of stuff, but you know, what keeps coming to my head and I'm not sure why, maybe it's just in the, in the place that I'm at right now, but it's, um, share your scars, not your wounds. Ooh. Say that again. That was so good. Share your scars, not your wounds. Wow. I love that. That is amazing. And here's this. Here's how you get the scars is 26 failures, but picking yourself up for number 27. Isn't that the truth? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. And reading Brene Brown. And reading Brene she, Brown. Yeah. She is. She, you know, she kind of alludes to that. She talks about the rumble and not talking about stuff when you're going through the rumble. You right. Know, you really, stuff you it way down. Clean it up. Yeah. Yep. Before you talk about it. And that's really serving. Anybody who's looking to go onto social media or become an influencer or share their passionate journey about anything, you've got to get that dialed in because it's real easy to start becoming a, a ranter. Those people yeah. who just get on and they're, everything's out there and they're still dealing with stuff. And when mm-hmm. you're dealing with stuff and you're putting it out there, anything anybody says hurts worse. Yeah. So it's hard to hurt a scar. So you got to heal it up first. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. So Bill, I'm guessing that you probably have a bunch of people intrigued about a uh, notary coach 
and listening to the Side Hustle Lounge. So tell us how people can find you and uh, your content and interact with both. Yeah, thank you so much. So the podcast, you can find anywhere podcasts are heard or go to sidehustlelounge.com. We even have a private Facebook group where we interact quite regularly. Mm -hmm. Plus notarycoach.com. If you're interested in geeking out with us about mm -hmm. all things notary, you can check us out there. I'm all over social media on Instagram as Bill Soroka, and I have a huge LinkedIn presence as well. I believe in the power of LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So you can check me out there as well. That is fantastic. And all of those great Websites and social media connections will be in the show notes. Uh, Bill, I cannot thank you enough. You have brought such an interesting perspective to our listeners today. And I think that uh, they would have had to not be listening to not be able to take some tidbit that they can grow from and, and move forward with. I want to highlight just a few of the really cool things that you said along the way. First of all, calling yourself a multi-potentialite. I think there are so many people out there who can identify with that moniker and also noticing that it's a good thing, not a bad thing, because multiple things can bring you joy and success and having a variety of avenues is good. The advice that you want would give to your old self was to work harder and better at quieting the inner critic and not listening to those who judge um, and knowing that your stuff isn't for everyone, but that's okay. And just that acceptance of this is who I am and it's going to be for some people and it's not going to be for others. The other is that your biggest positive should is that you know you should and do choose greatness. And that is fantastic. One of my other favorite things that you said was that you tend to take a results inventory so that you can analyze the gap between what you have and what you want. Oh, thunder in the background. That's a good one. Oh, cool. And <laughs> that's because it was such a good statement. The thunder had to come in. <laughs> Summon the thunder, please. That's right. Do a results inventory. Pa -pa. <laughs> and um, the other thing that you said that really sticks with me is that it's not good to absorb and collect knowledge without implementing it. So it's okay to be out there and absorbing all that you can, but then you have to take what you can from it and make a move. Yeah. Absolutely. Powerful. You are a good note taker. Thank you, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> you said some great things. And again, I always love highlighting it because, um, you know, if anybody's like me, they like to go back and re-listen to those little key parts. But Putting all those things at the end are a great place for people to go, wow, that is all the things that we've just heard in this quick half hour, 40 minutes, whatever it's been. So Bill, I really want to thank you for um, being willing to come on this podcast. And I really hope that people will check out the notarycoach.com and listen to the Side Hustle Lounge. There's never too many good podcasts in your life. And it sounds, as I said earlier, that ours are very much aligned. So I think people would like your content just as much as they like this content and vice versa. So absolutely. I can't wait to introduce my audience to you as well. Oh, fantastic. Well, Bill, thank you again for coming. And again, people can find you in all of the links that will be in the show notes today. Thanks so much, Bill. Thank you, Tara. How's that? We're going to leave that in too. I love that storm. 